So today we're going to continue this amazing series we're engaged in about the 3D Jesus. I'm going to read to you from Luke's Gospel and then we're going to unpack not just how Jesus connected up and in and out, but why did Jesus connect up and in and out? So we're in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. I'm going to start reading from verse 12. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. He spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them who he designated apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called a zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. They'd come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming out of him and healing them all. He looked at his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger and now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how they treated your ancestors, the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you've already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. The 3D Jesus, the real Jesus, the, the, the flesh and blood Jesus perfectly fulfilled the three greats of the gospel. He perfectly fulfilled the great commandment. It says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Jesus perfectly fulfilled the great up call to love God. He also fulfilled what we might call the great consequence. He went on to say the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus, perf Jesus perfectly fulfilled the great commandment to love God, the great consequence to love his brothers and sisters. But he also fulfilled the great commission. It says in Matthew, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age." 
we talk about the 3D Jesus because we talk about Jesus connecting perfectly up, perfectly in, and perfectly out. And as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we want to be 3D followers. We want to connect perfectly up with God. We want to connect perfectly in with one another, and we want to connect perfectly out with the world. Now, of course, we will never be perfect, but our desire is to get better at connecting up, to get better at connecting in, and to get better at connecting out. A few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that we can only do that with that indwelling, with that receiving of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of the Holy Spirit that connects us up and connects us in and connects us out. But today, we want to look at how did Jesus do that, and more importantly, why did Jesus do that? So we're told in our passage this morning that Jesus, on one of those days, went out to a mountainside to pray, and then he prayed all night. If you're wondering what all night means, it means all night. It doesn't say he meant to do that. It, it implies that he, he started a prayer time in the evening and he just kept going. What was he doing? More importantly, why was he doing that? What was his motivation? Earlier this week, in my own personal Bible study, I was reading Mark's Gospel. And in Mark's Gospel, it says, Jesus got up early while it was still dark and prayed. So sometimes he got up early and prayed while it was still dark. Here he prays all night. How do I do that? How, when do I sleep? What motivated Jesus to pray all night? Well, certainly there's an element of discipline in what Jesus was doing. He knew that if he was going to fulfill the call of God on his life, if he was going to connect in and out, he had to connect up. When I travel on an airplane, which happens occasionally, they always do this safety routine and they always say that if for any reason air pressure drops in the cabin, then oxygen masks will drop down from the ceiling. And they always say this, this. they always say, make sure you put the oxygen on yourself before you try and help someone else. Certainly Jesus knew that if he was going to help others, he first had to connect up. And there's a discipline in that. But was it just a discipline for Jesus? Was it just something he felt he should do or had to do? Do we just have to try harder? See, that's the challenge, isn't it, with this series, is that if we're not careful, it just becomes a list of things to do, another task in already busy lives, just connecting up. It's just, oh, it's another thing I've got to do. Another discipline. Is that all this is? Well, no. You see, if it was just a discipline, Jesus might have gone up to pray, but would he have prayed all night? I mean, I know that it was a really important time because he's praying about his apostles, the people he's going to draw to himself, and we'll get on to that in a minute. But once God the Father has given him 12 names, how much more time does he need? Maybe he was trying to argue about one or two of them. Do I really have to have Peter or do I really have to have Judas? Maybe there was a bit of discussion, but all night? 
How was Jesus able? Why did Jesus spend all that time? Well, I think it's because it was a delight. You see, Jesus loved spending time with his Father. What's more, Jesus knew his Father loved spending time with him. What do we know of this father-son relationship? Well, we know just a few chapters earlier, the father spoke over Jesus. He said, this is my son. With him I am well pleased. Why did Jesus spend all night chatting to his dad? Well, because it was a joy. In our lives, all of us have people we spend time with and Sometimes we're trying to impress them. Sometimes we're trying to persuade them. Sometimes we're trying to sell them something. Sometimes we're trying to care for them. And those can be good things. But surely we love spending time with people where we don't have to prove ourselves. Where we don't have to prove our worth. Where we don't have to be on our best behavior. We can just relax and be. For Jesus, that was time with his Father. He didn't just spend time with the Father because he had to, or because it was a discipline, or even to model to us what it was like. No, he spent time with his Father because it was a joy. It energized him. I've been hugely blessed in my life. I'm, I'm married and I have two grown-up children I love spending time with my wife. I love spending time with my son. I love spending time with my daughter. It energizes me. I can relax. They affirm me. They encourage me. How much more does my heavenly Father do that for me? How much more do I love spending time with my heavenly Father where he's not looking for me to prove myself? He doesn't need anything from me. He doesn't need me to do certain things or say certain words to make him feel better about himself. He just is and he just dwells and he welcomes me and I can truly rest. I can truly Sabbath. I can truly relax. And in that time, I'm reminded that I'm a son of the living God. I think in these times when Jesus spent all night praying, when he stopped, he knew even more who he was. He knew even more how secure he was. He knew even more his identity. And that's why he connected up. Yes, it was a discipline. It took effort. And sometimes it is a discipline. Sometimes it takes time and effort. Sometimes we have to sacrifice to give time to spend time with our Heavenly Father. But we don't do it out of discipline. We do it out of delight. I want to encourage us to do that more. How might we do that? Well, we see with Jesus in a crowded world, he very deliberately set time aside. That's why he gets up early in the morning. That's why he spends all night. He knew lots of people wanted time with him. He knew he was busy. He knew he had lots to do. So he was strategic in how he did that. Sometimes we have to be strategic. We have to recognize the season of life we're in. 
We have to recognize that these are our opportunities when we could spend time with the Father, when we could spend time connecting up. If you want to spend more time with God, ask this question, what season are you in? When are the times when you could give that time to spending time with the Father? Sometimes we have to remind ourselves what sort of personality we are. We might be a morning person or an evening person. I, I come alive first thing in the morning, so that's when I spend my time with the Father. That's when I spend my time connecting up. My, my wife is more of an afternoon-evening person. She generally spends her time with God then. Maybe you're someone who spends real time you know, in, in a book. Maybe how you connect is to open the Bible with a notebook and a commentary, and that's how you connect. That's your personality. That's how you connect with God. Or maybe you're a worshiper, and actually what you need is worship in your ears, worship song in your ears that help you connect. It's not there's a right way and a wrong way. Maybe reading's a challenge for you, but you love listening to the Word. You can get an app on your phone or get someone to read the word to you so you can hear it and get it in you. So how do you connect? Well, remind yourself, this is, this is a joy. But also think, what sort of person am I? What sort of season am I in? How do I naturally connect with God? If you're struggling, start small. I'm not a great runner, but I've used an app called Couch to 5K. It's a, it's a kind of Western app thing that means you start, you know, every other day you just walk and run a little bit more and it builds you up stage by stage. Do that with spending time with God. If you're not spending any time with God at the moment, start with 5, 10, 15 minutes. Don't say to yourself, I'm going to spend all night praying. You'll fall asleep. But maybe spend five minutes before you fall asleep and then 10 and then 15. Build it up slowly. That will help you. Remember, friends, it's about the grace of God. You're not trying to prove yourself. You haven't got to say all the right words in all the right order. Open the Bible. Read, pray, worship. Remind yourself that you are accepted. You don't have to clean yourself up to spend time with God. No, it's when we spend time with God, when we spend time with our Heavenly Father, that by the grace of God and the work of the Spirit, He cleans us up. Be honest in your conversations. If you're not sure how honest you can be with God, spend some time in the Psalms where the psalmist is very honest with God. And the psalmist lets God know when he's crossed, when he's disappointed, when he's sad, when he's on the high places, when he's in the valleys. Be honest with God. It might help you to Write things down to journal. Some people do that. I do that. I find that helpful to write my prayers down, to write things down that God reminds me of from Scripture. So you can be practical. You can be strategic. But remember, it's not meant to be a duty. It's meant to be a delight to spend time with the one who loves you completely, who knows you intimately, and still speaks over you, this is my child, with them I'm well pleased. So in our passage, Jesus starts connecting up, then he connects in. He, he comes down and he gathers these men to himself. 
He gathers a small group or a life group around him. These are the people he's going to spend the next two, three years with. He's going to get to really know them and they're really going to get to know him. Why does he do that? Why does he bother? You see, surely Jesus didn't need other people. Well, yeah, the 2D Jesus doesn't know other people. The 2D Jesus just operates in his divinity. But the 3D Jesus, the real man Jesus, the flesh and blood Jesus, knows that it's not a good idea to have community. It's essential. How does the 3D Jesus know that? Well, he knows that because he was created in the image of God and God is community, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Jesus knows that the scripture tells him it's not good for man to be alone. Humanity was created in community. Jesus doesn't connect in because that's what he's supposed to do. Jesus connects in because in our humanity, that's who we're created to be. I live in an amazing city in London, eight and a half million people. And yet loneliness is an epidemic in my city. People feel lonely. Many of those people have gone through grief where a loved one has died. Why does that hurt so much? Why does someone we love dying hurt so much? Why does that separation hurt so much? Why is loneliness so painful? Because we're, we're created for community. We're created not just to connect up with God. We're created to connect in with one another. With authenticity and openness and honesty. We're created to walk one by one together. We're created for what's called synergy, that together we can do more than we can just by adding up our individual parts. Jesus knew this. That's why Jesus gathered around him a bunch of imperfect men. And if you want to know how imperfect they are, just read the rest of the story. These are men who would, who would grumble and complain and misunderstand and ultimately desert and deny him. And yet Jesus still calls them. Jesus still invests time and energy and love and affection. Why? Because that's how we're designed, friends. The Bible knows nothing of the individual or the isolated Christian. The Bible makes it very clear we are created for community and we're created to be a community of faith. We're created to connect in together and together to connect up towards God. That's why you see Jesus time and time again gathering with others for worship. That's why we encourage one another to gather for worship. Gather together to do the up as well as the in. Jesus models it for us here because he knows that's how we're created to be. If we just connect up, we can get very self-centered. Now, we also need to connect in with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Are they imperfect? Yes. Will they annoy us sometimes? 
Yes. Will we sometimes not want to meet with them? Yes. But do you know what? Sometimes they don't want to meet with us. Sometimes we're annoying. We are imperfect. Jesus didn't gather 12 perfect men. He gathered 12 ordinary men and others around them because he knew it was absolutely vital that he connected up and in. But Jesus also connects out. Did you notice that? Having spent a night with his heavenly father, delighting in that affirmation and that affection and that identity, he then connects in and gathers people around him. But they don't stay this holy huddle. They then start to minister out. Demons are dealt with. Illnesses are healed. People are restored. The isolated are brought into community. You see, Jesus knows that is the calling that is on us as individuals and as a people, as a community. Jesus doesn't just connect up, doesn't just connect in. He knows the reason we connect up and connect in is so that we can connect out. See, if we don't connect out, we become these little holy huddles. The little things become the big things. We begin worrying about the color of chairs, the songs that we sing. We begin to worry about things that are immaterial. If we lose our focus, if we lose our vision. And it's vital that we connect out because the world is chasing after things that don't satisfy. I don't know if you wondered why our passage finishes with these woes and blessings. Well, if you look at them, you'll see they identify the things that we tend to chase after. Food, possessions, being well thought of. Jesus makes it clear to his disciples, yes, there may be persecution to come. That's clearly what he's saying here. That when we go out into the world, there'll be times when the world reacts against us. But I think he is also highlighting the fact that the kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom. The kingdom of God says you won't find satisfaction in the food on your table. You won't find satisfaction in your wealth. You won't find satisfaction in just having a lot of friends. Not that having friends is bad. As we've said, community is a gift from God. Not that having possessions is bad. God blesses us. Not that having food is bad. It's good to gather around a table and eat together. But they must never become our foundation. And we live in a world, friends, that has made those things our foundation. That has made those things our security. And Jesus goes out to show the world where true identity is where the true foundation is where true satisfaction is it is connecting up and connecting in it's being part of the family of God it's being part of the kingdom call that God places on us it's having an intimate relationship with the father 
See, Jesus models for us not just how to connect up, but why. Not just how to connect in, but why. Not just that we should connect out, but why. See, Jesus was sent. Scripture tells us, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Eternal life that's not just life forever, but life that is rich. Life that is focused on the important things. A relationship with God. A relationship with one another. Friends, I want to encourage you right now. Is your delight in the Father? If not, know that he delights in you. Is your delight in community? If not, press into community wherever you can. You're created for community. You're created for family. You're created not to be isolated or lonely, but to be loved and be honoured and be part of a community. And if life is a bit insular, friends, be reminded you have a great call on your life to go out to the world with the truth of the gospel and the power of the kingdom.